Kansas City, Missouri. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, Kansas City. Happy Wednesday, folks. How is it going? Are you enjoying this kind of crappy weather that we're having today, actually? It's a little bit rainy, a little bit misty, but it's a little bit humid. But at least it's not cold like it has been. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining me on this edition of Tapped In. We are here live at the KCPN studio at Taps on Main in downtown Kansas City at the best little bar you will find in all of Kansas City. That's right. I freaking said it. Come on down to Taps on Main. Get the best wings in the city. Get the best freaking Reuben you will ever have in your entire life. It is fantastic. And then you got this awesome 50-tap beer wall with all these different beers that you can choose from to wash it down with. So get down here to Taps on Main. And we are tapped in. Folks, I can't tell you how excited I am. Why am I so excited? Tomorrow here at KCPN, we are doing something very, very special, something very, very fun, something that is it is the, a one-year celebration of what was the first a big momentous event for KCPN a year ago during the pandemic. Awesome piece of just fun that we had. And that was the live broadcast of the first round of the NFL draft that was done by the tailgate podcast by KCPN last year with Ty, Aaron, myself, Grant Tower, the owner of Taps on Main, and just an absolute blast of the draft game that on the tailgate podcast we have talked at length about. Well, that day is tomorrow. We are doing the remix of it. We are coming at you again with an all-new edition of the NFL draft game, and it is going to be crazy. It's going to be wild. It's going to be off the chain. It's going to be all the different terms you want to use that equate to fun. I cannot wait. Tomorrow night, 7 o'clock, live on KCPN. Any, any of the outlets that you want to watch KCPN, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, we are going to be live broadcasting the, our, our NFL draft game. The tailgate podcast versus the spoken and Midwest mics. It is going to be a fun game and it is going to be for charity. We are all raising funds to try and <clears throat> for different charities. Tailgate has chosen 87 and running Travis Kelsey's foundation, but that will be tomorrow. And it's uh, again, just can't wait. It's going to be a live broadcast. We have so much fun doing it, making predictions on what, on who teams are going to pick, uh, making, challenges each team gets three challenges to challenge a pick by another team in order to get a uh, big 10 point uh, jump there or a 10 point loss it's it's a very risky proposition but it can can either bite you in the keister or it can put you up big and maybe bury your opponent but anyway it is an absolute blast and this is ty and aaron's baby that they've been working on for years at our first bro once again had our first broadcast of it last year and now we are going to bring it to you on a whole other level. I cannot wait for you to see this tomorrow night. We are going to have so much fun. So tune in to KCPN tomorrow. And please, 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 please go check our links and go donate. We have <clears throat> the tailgate. We put together our funny little video of Ty doing his, his thing on the marker board, you know, talking about Michigan and his go blue board. And for those of you that didn't see it, maybe didn't notice that it was the 2042 draft class, Archie Janes. That would be Archie Janes as in Ty and Don's newborn son. Welcome to the world once again, Archie. Uh, and, but uh, yes, that was our fun little thing we did. But again, check those links, 
donate, please. It's for a great cause. I mean, that's 75% go to the winning team's charity, 25% to the losing team's charity. And so, like I, I've, I've said on the tailgate, it's all the wins, all the Ws. So, please check that out tomorrow, and please donate. So, since we're talking about the draft, I figure let's talk a little bit of draft. A lot of speculation. There's pretty much only one certain surefire thing, and then a second probable not so surefire, but seemingly pretty solid bit of uh, draft information that people can count on. And that seems that Trevor Lawrence out of Clemson, best quarterback prospect, probably of the least the last half decade, probably since Andrew Luck in 2012. Uh, he is, seems to be the sure, it seems to be an absolute lock that he's going to Jacksonville with the first overall pick. With the second overall pick, it seems like a pretty solid lock that the Jets, especially now that they have traded away, they jettisoned Sam Darnold to Carolina. Uh, it seems like a pretty good lock that they're going to go out and get Zach Wilson. Quarterback is for sure the lock for the Jets. The question is which one they go with, but all indications are it will be Zach Wilson out of BYU. Uh, uh, Aaron likes to call him the Mormon Mahomes because he's he's got some moxie. He goes out there and, and he he's got a killer arm. His arm is he's an absolute rocket attached to his shoulder. Uh, but he's he plays out there kind of a little bit of the playground style that that uh, Patrick Mahomes tends to play with. Uh, but I w will not say he's going to be like Mahomes because I don't think anybody's going to be like Mahomes. But anyway, that's why it's fun to be a Chiefs fan. So we got the best in everybody else's faces. And that's why the uh, Jets, though, since he is reminiscent of Mahomes, they're probably going to go out and get themselves some Zach Wilson. And we'll see. I mean, because, you know, every decision that the Jets make tends to work out really great for them. No, no, it doesn't, actually. So the Jets are going to Jet. When I say the other day, Raiders are going to Raider, yeah, the Jets are right in that category, too. The Jets are going to Jet. Uh, <laughs> although they did make the smart, smart decision to get rid of Adam Gase. They also kept him until the end of the season. So... <sighs> Anywho, number three, San Francisco on the board. They started out at number 12, and then they traded all the way up, traded two first-round picks over the next two years to jump up from 12 to three. That would indicate they're going quarterback, that they're not confident in Jimmy Garoppolo moving forward. They want to find a replacement, find a successor that will be better kind of where the Chiefs were at going into the 2017 draft when they had Alex Smith on hand but decided that for as great as Alex was that you just needed somebody just a little bit who somebody just a little bit more special at that position and that was Patrick Mahomes. It seems that San Francisco having been on the opposite end of that losing Super Bowl 54 now want to go out and get their own special quarterback that will put a, what is a very talented roster over the top. And so the, the thought is they are going quarterback. The question is, who are they going to go after? All three of the remaining quarterbacks that seem to be first-round worthy have been mentioned in this. Mac Jones out of Alabama, Trey Lance out of North Dakota State, and Justin Fields out of Ohio State. And, man, your guess is as good as mine. Like, I do this stuff. I talk about the draft, and I talk about football all the freaking time, and, and especially Aaron and Ty and I do. And this is our favorite time of year. Like I mentioned the other day about with Therese Paler, this is football nerd Christmas. And that's exactly what this is for us. We are those football nerds, and this is our Christmas. But none of us know what the hell Kyle Shanahan and the 49ers are going to do. 
there's been indication that they're going to go Mac Jones. All of a sudden, Mel Kiper Jr., Todd McShay, uh, Daniel Jeremiah, all these got, all these NFL draft experts, when they put out their mock drafts, had the 49ers going Mac Jones. And on the tailgate podcast, you had us damn near pulling out our hair trying to say, you're really going to trade two first-round picks to jump up from 12 to 3 and go get a quarterback that you very well could have still gotten at 12. And at that point in time, most of the mock drafts had Mac Jones being that fifth quarter, fourth, no, excuse me, fifth quarterback taken, and probably somewhere in the teens, like 10 to 15, somewhere in there. And the fact that they would trade two first-round picks to go up and get him, just, huh? I mean, I know I just said, you know, Jets are going to Jet, and I said the, the Raiders are going to Raider, but 49ers aren't an organization that you can really say that about very often. They tend to make pretty smart decisions. And I just don't really know. I, like, I, they go Mac Jones, man. I got to say, that's, that's a head-scratcher to me. What I've heard, what, what's been said is that Kyle Shanahan looks at him as a mix of his most successful quarterbacks, of Kirk Cousins, of Matt Ryan, and that he sees all their best qualities in Mac Jones. And you know what? If you want to go, go down that route, hey, I mean, these guys are getting paid a hell of a lot more money than any of us around here to go make those decisions. And so we will see. But one thing I can say is if they make that decision and they miss on it, yeah, they're not going to be getting paid that money much longer. So, I don't know. We'll see what, uh, what Kyle Shanahan and the Niners decide to do. Uh, we've talked on the tailgate about it with, with Jones. Is He just doesn't seem spectacular. He's, he seems like a poor man's version of Joe Burrow going into last year is where he was maybe a product of an awesome system. But in this case, Joe Burrow elevated the LSU offense two years ago, whereas it seems like Mac Jones just was the beneficiary of this really powerful just top-notch, high-octane machine that Alabama ran out there, especially when we see all the first-round picks that, you know, two receivers taken in the first round last year. You're going to have two receivers taken in the first round, possibly in the top ten this year out of Alabama, and a running back that will probably go in the first round too. And so it's – I don't know. We'll see. So, But that's San Francisco. We'll see. Uh, for Atlanta, it's another one, question mark. All indications are Atlanta's trying to trade down. Maybe they want to maximize what they have with Matt Ryan just a little bit more. Uh, just squeeze a little bit more out of that window. He is 36 years old, but they've still got some talent. That would have seemed to be the indication is maybe they would go Kyle Pitts, the tight end out of Florida. But now there's reports that after June 1st, when it would become cheaper to do so, that the Falcons might be looking to trade Julio Jones, that they are open to trading Julio Jones. And there's two schools of thought with that, is either they are trying to gauge the market or they're trying to create the market. They're like – Maybe no teams had any inclination that Julio Jones would be available. And now the Falcons may be just trying to see, okay, would team like what do what could we viably get back? And the unfortunate part for them is they wouldn't be able to get a draft pick this year since they want to wait till after June first. That way they could allocate some of the money, they could spread out the money that they would lose in trading him, they would be able to allocate out over two seasons instead of having to do it all in one season. And so that's it's a big question mark of whether or not they're actually going to do it because, I mean, if they want to hold on to Matt Ryan and try to stretch out that window and go get Kyle Pitts, you would think they would want to hold on to Julio Jones. But maybe this they go quarterback and decide that they're rebooting and they're rebuilding altogether. <clears throat> and maybe they're trying to pull a smokescreen on people. Maybe they go get Justin Fields or Trey Lance or Mac Jones or whoever's left over uh, with four. Maybe they trade down and still are able to get one of those guys. 
a lot of question marks. And the thing about the NFL draft is once you know, once you think you know everything, you find out that the only thing you actually know is did we squat? So a lot of question marks about San Francisco and Atlanta. And then, of course, that just from there on out, you know, Cincinnati has the fifth pick. It seems pretty pretty sure that they probably go offensive tackle. Probably uh, Sewell, the offensive tackle out of Oregon, and uh, who is just an absolute monster of a kid. I mean, he was starting in the Pac-12 at 17 years old. Kid is an absolute freak. One of the best tackle prospects that the NFL has seen come out of college in a while. Or they might go the wide receiver out of Jamar out of LSU, Jamar Chase, who is was Joe Burrow's top target two years ago when LSU had the one of the most explosive seasons in, or one of the most uh, productive seasons for an offense in college football history. Uh, six, Miami. Miami seems to just, whatever whoever receiver is there at six, they seem content to take. And so with how I'm seeing things fall out, there's a very good chance that Jamar Chase is available to them at number six. Uh, Aaron and I on the tailgate podcast have gone back and forth because while I will agree Jamar Chase is the best receiver in this draft, and that's probably who Miami would go with, I love the idea of Devontae Smith going to Miami, and I think that would definitely be to their benefit if Jamar Chase is already taken in the first five picks. And at six, Miami can go get Devontae Smith. I just love the kid very much. He reminds me very much of Marvin Harrison, and I know that's something that has picked up a lot of traction in this draft process leading up to tomorrow night's first round. And I just – Devontae Smith, the things that he can do, that first half of the national title game against Ohio State was – just an exhibition of a player that is on a whole nother level. And the ability that he has to create separation from defensive backs is extraordinary. And he's just a fun kid to watch. Yeah, he's small. He's slender. I think he weighed in. Uh, he's 6'1", but I think he weighed in like right around 170 pounds. I mean, he's, he's got to put on some weight without a doubt. But again, the game he plays is very reminiscent of Hall of Famer Marvin Harrison. Uh, Harrison's off-field uh, situation notwithstanding. But, uh, yeah, so see what happens with Miami there. Detroit is a seven. Ty James, you want uh, – who do you want, buddy? Who do you want, your, who do you want your Lions to take? So the, we've talked at length about that. And wide receiver, trade down. I've seen linebacker. I've seen cornerback. I doubt they go cornerback top ten two years in a row. But a lot of question marks. But I think Detroit probably wants to trade down. And a potential partner for them is number nine, Denver. Uh, that's another big question mark is because at eight, you had Carolina. Now that they've traded for Sam Darnold, they probably try to go get an offensive tackle or maybe one of the wide receivers to better build that offense around for Sam Darnold. But that one, one thing is there are still some people out there thinking that Carolina will still go get a quarterback, which whatever, you know, do what you want to do. Carolina Panthers, Matt Rule, former Baylor coach, great coach, but Will, will yet to be seen at the pro level, and I would question very much having just traded for Sam Darnold if they were to use their first-round pick for another quarterback, but who knows? Uh, but Denver, there's a school of thought they might make up that trade up to number seven with Detroit to go and get their quarterback, not being confident in Drew Locke, and I would not be very confident in Drew Locke either. There's been reports that people in Denver are legit afraid that he only views half the field, that he's his just – his vision or his awareness or just whatever it is is just not there yet. And, yes, that's something that probably could be developed, but there seems to be some genuine fear coming out of Denver that Drew Locke is not going to be long for this league as a starter. And 
but they're probably, given that they invested only two years ago in him, or three years ago now, in him, uh, oh, it was two years ago, I'm sorry, uh, odds are I think they probably do give him another year, so cornerback or offensive lineman, maybe one of the wide receivers, uh, that seems to be kind of the, the genuine thought, or genuine, excuse me, general thought for what the Broncos, and then I'm going to finish off just top 10, I'm not going to cover the whole first round, but uh, number 10, Dallas Cowboys, almost every single mock, almost every single just thought of who they take, and Aaron agrees with this, uh, big Cowboys fan, uh, is probably the best quarterback on the board, whether that's Patrick Sertan the second, whether that is J.C. Horn. For the longest time, it was Caitlin Farley. Uh, just who knows? I mean, Dallas is in a position where with all these teams that want to go get a quarterback, and they finally, finally gave Dak Prescott the, the uh, extension that he's long deserved. Uh, so their quarterback situation is – is just real solid right now for Dallas. So they clearly have no interest in any of the quarterbacks, which means that they can sit there and watch the other teams ahead of them or teams trade ahead of them to go get the quarterbacks and just let the best player fall to them. That puts Dallas in a very favorable spot at number 10. And also, you know, some of the teams around them could be moving around. Uh, there's a report. I'm sorry, it's not even a report. It was, it was already put on Twitter. The Chargers, man, the, the, AFC, the Chiefs AFC West opponents have just been on fire this last week with their Twitter accounts. The Chargers Twitter account accidentally posted a graphic showing that they had made a trade from number 13 up to number 11 with the New York Giants uh, and then gave them, tossed in uh, their third round pick, pick number 77, in order to do so. And it immediately came down. And so there's no official word that this has happened. There's been no announcement. And yet, I don't think that you have somebody in your, your graphics department just come up with that uh, with that, and it gets posted on Twitter by accident. So without there actually being some level of truth to it. So look for that to probably happen at some point tomorrow or maybe even before they get to tomorrow to announce that that trade actually has happened. Excuse me. <clears throat> and so and that's where that leads you, to believe, leads you to wonder, what are the Chargers doing? You know, were they going to try to go up and maybe see if Sewell is slipping down that far or – if uh, instead of a lot of the mocks have had them going with Christian Darisol, the offensive tackle out of Virginia Tech, going to them at number 13, maybe this is a play where they go up to 11, try to get Rayshon Slater, the tackle slash guard out of Northwestern, who seems to be the best lineman after uh, Sewell out of Oregon, albeit Ty on his uh, Ty's guys. It's fun, right? Ty's guys. Uh, he did his own top 100, and he has Slater ahead of Sewell. Because he thinks that the level of offensive lineman, not just as a tackle, but the level of play that he will bring as an offensive lineman, period, will be better than Sewell's. Given that even if he plays guard, he'd probably be a better guard than Sewell would be a tackle. And so we've had our discussions about that. Aaron and I disagreed with him. But you know, that's part of the fun of all this is the disagreement. But a name that I just mentioned, too, was Caleb Farley. Uh, and he's a cornerback who has been slipping because he's had a second uh, surgical procedure on his back. And so he has a name slipping down draft boards because of the fear that he might not that he might not be able to play or play for very long in the NFL with those legit back concerns, or if they are legitimate. And he's probably would be the number one quarterback in this draft. Go leading into the, the beginning of the draft process, he was pretty much ahead of Sertan or or J.C. Horn or any of the other quarterbacks. And now that uh, with this problem, he slipped down to the third, even the fourth or fifth quarterback taken in some of the different mock drafts. And so we will see what happens with him. I mean, he's an, he's an incredible talent. And I, 
mentioned before that my pipe dream would have been had the Chiefs not done what they did, which I will get to once again in a moment. Um, if they had 31, I would have loved to have seen Caleb Farley fall down to them at 31. And then all of a sudden the Chiefs would be able to move forward with one of the best young secondaries in the NFL, if not the best. But obviously I'm quite happy with how things have turned out otherwise. But Caleb Farley is a name to watch and to see if a contender, possibly the Buffalo Bills. I've talked with Grant about that. Uh, it was, he is a huge Bills fan. And he's would absolutely love it. Caleb Farley fell to the Bills at number 30. So, so just a lot of intriguing, a lot of fun storylines in the NFL draft this year. And tomorrow night's going to be a lot of fun. Once again, NFL draft game, KCPN tailgate versus spoken Midwest Mikes. It's going to be a lot of fun. And it's just, it's a blast. It's, there's always a lot of shockers. There's a lot of just, you know, eye rolls and stuff like that. But it's going to be a lot of fun. Always love the first round. And uh, that brings me to this next little bit is love the first round. But the Chiefs, we're not going to be playing in the first round this year. Last year was the first time in three years that we got to play in the first round. And now we, uh, we don't have a first round pick. So we're just going to kind of chill. I'm just going to enjoy the draft tomorrow and, and, you know, talk some trash to the opposing teams and see, just try, just enjoy the day without any actual rooting interest. And, uh, why did that happen? Well, that's because, as I talked about on Monday, last Friday, the Chiefs made the trade of trading number 31, in addition to other draft picks, to, to the Baltimore Ravens for Orlando Brown Jr. And I know I've already talked about that, but he has since had his press conference. And, man, Chiefs fans, Chiefs kingdom, folks, this dude is legit. This dude wants to succeed. He has some drive and some motivation that it's, it's just special. And I can I know I said I can't wait on Monday. I still can't wait. It's been two days. I still have a lot more days to wait for it to happen. But just some of the things coming out of his, uh, out of his press conference is he, he said, I want to live out the dream my dad had for me. And that was a tweet that he sent back in March. And it's been reports coming out of Baltimore. John Harbaugh just took some questions in regards to him. And Harbaugh hasn't had the best things to say. Harbaugh seems like he's a little bit incensed by this situation. But literally, at the heart of it, it's that Orlando Brown Jr. wanted to be a left tackle. And Harbaugh said he would come out of, you know, tra the training room or, or the gym or something or, or coming off the field and yell, I'm a left tackle, as if it was, you know, a – as if it was something, uh, if it was problematic, as if he was causing controversy. And th there's been no indication. Ronnie Stanley, the, the uh, Ravens left tackle, has, had made, has made no problems known or anything. He hasn't said anything about it. And so maybe there were problems there. But John Harbaugh seems to be a little bit spiteful. And the fact of the matter is the kid just wanted to be a left tackle. And that's what he said is he talks at length in his introductory press conference with the Chiefs about how it goes back to the dream that his father had. And his father, who played a number of years in the NFL, Orlando Brown Sr., passed away in 2011 at uh, 40 years old. And he talks about what his father said when he was growing up. And he said that when he was 12, 13 years old, and he wanted to play football so badly, and he begged his father. It literally in tears sometimes, and his dad wouldn't let him play. His dad wanted him to make sure that that love of the game was there by the time he started playing. And so once he gets, once he gets to high school, and he's a freshman in high school, 
he tells the coach. The coach decides the coach doesn't put him at off at, at left tackle at first, and so Orlando Brown Senior walks up and he tells the coach, "Hey, if you're not playing at left tackle, put him on defense." So Orlando Brown Jr. had to play. He played no. He played defensive tackle his freshman year because his coach didn't want to play him at left at uh, left tackle yet. And so his dad told him, "If you're going to play football, I want you to promise that you're going to play left tackle. You're going to earn." You're on your way to being the left tackle, and I want you to play in the NFL for for 10-plus years, and I want you to be a Hall of Famer. Like, if you're going to be a left tackle, you're going to be the best damn left tackle you can be, is essentially what his dad said. And so it was something with when his father very much wanted the best for his kids, for, for Brown Jr. And his, and his siblings, and one of the messages that he always tried to tell them is, be better than us. And that's something you know a lot of parents try to tell their, their kids, is you want, this, you want this next generation to be better. Be better than our generation. And obviously that's something, you know, just be better, period, is something I preach a lot here. And I, I, we do so on the Tailgate podcast. And so this, this is a moment for him, and he did say in the press conference, I want to live, he's like, I'm going to live out my father's dream, or live out my dream, my, my father's dream that he had for me, and to go out there and win as a left tackle. And he's, he's clearly extremely motivated. And so when I hear that Harbaugh has some of these comments to say, and, and then naturally Ravens fans have jumped on that and been like, okay, you know, good riddance and blah, blah, blah. I just see a kid who's motivated as hell who wants to go out there and be the best. And that kid is now protecting Patrick Mahomes' blind side. And he did have a few things to say on Mahomes too. And he said very he straight up said, I look forward to keeping him clean. He saw what happened in the Super Bowl. He saw that Mahomes ran for almost 500 yards behind the line of scrimmage. And he, that's another thing he said is he shouldn't have to run around because of me, period. This is a dude who's going to take, take excuse me, take protecting Patrick. Protecting Patrick. That is the name of the game right now. He is going to take protecting Patrick extremely seriously. And extremely seriously for a man who is six foot eight, three hundred and sixty pounds, that uh, that's not a man I want to cross. And I get the feeling that anybody else in this division or anybody else on the Chiefs on any Chiefs opponents on the schedule anyway, it just nobody's gonna want to cross that dude. Joey Bosa, good luck, man. I can't wait to see that first battle. Uh, but yeah, he said he also said, I want to be here a long time. I'm going to make sure I take care of my part. Because that is something the Chiefs have said is they are not going to give him an extension right out the gate. They want to see how he plays this first year at left tackle. I mean, he did. He started, I think, 11 games for the Ravens last year at left tackle. And he did exceptionally well. Like I mentioned on Monday, he didn't give up a sack, didn't give up a single QB hit. Only a few pressures. And it's very exciting to think of this, the potential of this offensive line. This is probably going to be the Chiefs' best offensive line they've had since the absolutely ridiculous unit that they threw out there in the early to mid-2000s of Willie Rofe, Will Shields, Brian Waters, Casey Wigman, and then John Tate and a few others at right tackle. But it's going to be, it's, it's going to be very reminiscent of that. If you're, we're going to have Orlando Brown Jr., Joe Tooney, Austin Blythe, either uh, Laurent DeVarnay-Tardif or Kyle Long at right guard, and then either Mike Remmers or Lucas Niang at right tackle. Man, and especially if Niang can earn that and Remmers can be what he's best suited for as a swing tackle, man, that's going to be something fun. 
And I just, I just, I can't say enough about this Orlando Brown trade, and the, the Chiefs just absolutely pulled one off. And it, it blows my mind that I see some of the criticism coming from Pro Football Focus, and that it's they are they're very much trying to hate on this. And Pro Football Focus loves to like they, they do some really good things, but they really, really believe in their their grades that they gave that they give players, and pretty much that's their end all say all, and. They did not have, in certain ways, they did not have him rated very highly. But again, I come back to 700 plus snaps, no QB hits, no QB sacks. Dude's going to, the dude's not going to mess around. And he's done a great job as a pass blocker in college. He's done a great job as a run blocker in the NFL. It's, it's going to be, this is going to be huge. And since one thing that they did mention, or one thing that, one stat that they do have about him which, again, I don't understand why they think so poorly of him when one grade that they have says he's only the 20-something best left tackle in football. But, and yet, according to wins above replacement, he is the fifth most valuable offensive tackle since he came into the league in 2018 because he has the same amount of wins above replacement as Ronnie Stanley, the, the Ravens' left tackle. So the kid's a stud. And Chiefs fans, let's have some fun. This is going to be a blast. Once again, I can't freaking wait. I can't wait. Screw that pin. That's all the other divisional opponents. That's everybody else on, on the schedule. Screw it, because they're going to get mauled this year, and it's going to be awesome. Patrick Mahomes is going to have the best line he's ever had. Love you, Eric Fisher. Love you, Mitchell Schwartz. But uh, this is going to be legit. This is going to be pretty awesome. We are doing right by the by the MV Pat. We are doing right by the franchise. LFG, baby. Let's go. All right, so I'm going to finish off here with just more exciting stuff because, again, it's a great time to be a Kansas Cityan. I'm decked out in royal blue, baby. You know why I'm decked out in royal blue? Because the Royals at 14-8 and eight have the best winning percentage in baseball, best record in baseball right now. No, we don't have the 15 wins like some of the other teams. There's a few teams right there that are 15-9. and nine. But at 14-8, and eight, we have the fewest losses of any team, and we have the best winning percentage. Hot diggity damn. I'm not going to throw this pin. I can't waste two pins in one segment. So, uh, It's just it's unreal that this would have happened. It's the best start that they've had since 2015. They're, just com they're coming out. They're playing hard, man. And, yeah, last night they took a hit. They, they lost 2-1. to one, uh, and That was after winning 3-2 to two on Monday night. But here we are. We're still sitting with the best record in baseball, and it's pretty tremendous, and it's kind of crazy to think that they're getting to this point, that the pitching has been just outstanding, which has been necessary because the hitting has not been there. Our bats are lacking. Michael A. Taylor has the best batting average on the team at 286. The two right behind him, Whit Merrifield and Nicky Lopez at 276. After that, nobody's batting higher than 250. And that is, that's a major problem, and things need to be fixed. We need to see Andrew Benintendi start to carry his weight. We need to see Carlos Santana get his batting average up there. He's still getting walks, so he's got a high OBP. And he did hit the, the go-ahead uh, two-run home run on Monday afternoon uh, against the Tigers. But we just need to see more from the bats. We brought these guys in to make a difference. Jorge Soler, Hunter, Do Hunter Dozier, these are guys that – are being paid and being expected to be big-time dangerous bats in the lineup, and they're just not getting the job done. But, and yet, somehow, as a whole, the Royals are. So, once again, 14-8, and eight, 
crazy to think that it's almost May and the Royals have the best record in baseball. I love it. Love it, love it, love it. And so we'll hopefully they can sustain it. I mean, the pitching, again, it looks pretty strong. You had a strong start from uh, Brad Keller on Monday. You had a strong start from Jake Junis yesterday uh, against the uh, Pittsburgh Pirates. And, again, these are, they're going six innings. That's what you want to see is you're starting to see the, the starters stretch out a little bit. And then the bullpens are still coming in and shutting it down. Barlow did give up the go-ahead run yesterday. That's, yes, it was tacked on to Junis, but it was Barlow that gave up that hit that gave the Pirates the 2-1 to one victory last night that knocked the Royals down from 14-7 and seven to 14-8. and eight. <clears throat> But the bullpen has been exceptionally strong. Josh Stamont looks like he might be taking that closer role. Once again, the man bun, folks. It's like Samson gives him that 102-mile-per-hour heater power. So we, we will see if the Royals can continue that. Hopefully the bats can heat up because inevitably the pitching probably regresses back to the mean just a little bit. But, man, if the bats can heat up at the same time, the Royals can just keep on winning. So I don't know how how sustained, how how yeah, excuse me, I don't know how viable it is for this to be sustained. But it's fun while it's happening, folks. And again, some of this, some of the pitchers, I don't see this, I don't see the regression happening, especially with some of the young pitchers. We've seen Brady Singer have a couple of good starts in a row now. And again, just. We just might be onto something here in Kansas City. We've already there's already a, t- a city of champions. You know, the f- 15 Royals, the 20 Chiefs, or 19 Chiefs that won the Super Bowl in 20. But still, uh, it's a fun time. So live in this moment. Look to the future, but live in this moment. Enjoy this moment as a Kansas City fan. We're in the kingdom. We are together, Royal, and it's a lot of fun. And so, folks, I want to thank you for tuning into this edition of Tapped In. Once again, please tune in to the NFL Draft Show tomorrow night to our draft game. Please donate. Go Chiefs. Go Royals. Stay Royal Kansas City. I love you, and I will see you on Friday.